God, we long for you to be the treasure of our hearts. And Lord, we pray, would you come to us now? Help us to hear your voice, to receive your love, and allow your spirit um, to free us, to heal us, to forgive us, to touch us in this time. We love you and we bless you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. So years ago, um, when I was going through the ordination process for the priesthood, I served at this church uptown uh, for about six months while they were in between priests. And the previous rector um, had been, how shall I say, a hoarder of sorts. And so when you would go into his office, you actually could not see the floor because there were piles of things that he just, he, he never threw anything away. So there were newspapers from the 1970s stacked up. There were boxes of old clothes. There was expired canned goods. There's like the whole spectrum of junk that one can acquire. And so similarly, as, as I'm doing here at St. Peter's, I rolled up my sleeves and I told everyone at the church, we have got to clean this place. So we started throwing things away, cleaning, clearing out space. And guess what happened when we started to do this? R-O-U-S's. Do you all know what R-O-U-S's are? Rodents of unusual size. Have you never seen The Princess Bride? <laughs> if you haven't, you should go watch it immediately. Rodents started showing up is out of the woodworks. Now, if you know me, you may know that I have a major rodent phobia. So this is a very difficult time for me. And so this one afternoon, I opened up this box that I found, and I yelped as I found evidence of yet another rodent's presence in there that had clearly chewed through the contents and then chose to deposit them back in there after it had digested them. I mean, it was just awful. And um, I lamented about this situation out loud to Lisa, who was one of the church members, who was cleaning with me. And then she said something that I will never forget. She said, these rats would have never come out if we hadn't started cleaning. These rats would have never come out if we hadn't started cleaning. And these rats, they, they may have enlarged mice, I'm not sure. It was all the same to me. But these rats had been there the entire time, but we couldn't see them because there was all this junk all over the place that they could hide behind and hide inside of. But then once we started cleaning and clearing things out, there was nowhere for them to hide. So there's this great um, little parable, I think it was written in the 1950s, it's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it describes the heart like a house with all of these rooms and closets and an attic and a basement that represent all these different areas of our lives. And it talks about how the home of our hearts and the rooms of our heart get cluttered. And so we accumulate fear and guilt. We hoard resentment and anger towards others. We hide shame in the closets. We store our pride and our self-loathing, you know, whatever it may be for each of us. And unless we regularly declutter and clean out 
the rooms of our heart, these rodents of unusual size, will continue to exist there. They'll live happy lives in these rooms, feasting on the things that we hoard. And that's how they grow, to be of unusual size. And that's what Lent is actually about. Like, I love how um, Rowan Williams, he's the former Archbishop of Canterbury, this is how he talks about it. He says, it's important to rem remember that the word Lent itself comes from the old English word for spring. It's not about feeling gloomy for 40 days. It's not about making yourself miserable for 40 days. It's not even about giving things up for 40 days. Lent is springtime. It's preparing for that great climax of springtime, which is Easter, new life bursting forth through death. And as we prepare ourselves for Easter during these days by prayer and self-denial, what motivates us and what fills the horizon is not self-denial as an end in itself, but trying to sweep and clean the room of our own minds and hearts so that the new life really may have room to come in and take over and transform it at Easter. So right now at St. Peter's, we're on this big decluttering kick, um, decluttering both physically and spiritually as we head into Lent. And Denise, our deacon, had sent around this chapter um, about making room for resurrection. It was by this um, reverend named um, Anna Olson out in California. And it's all about, that chapter is all about cleaning the church. And one thing that she says is that she says that we keep things because we are afraid of empty space. We're afraid of empty space because empty space, she says, she says, tells us the truth about the emptiness of so many of our hopes, the emptiness of the things that we think are going to give us hope, and the ends of so many of our stories. And so empty space demands faith because it's this entrusting our heart to God, the, the home of our heart to God, believing that he's going to bring something new into that space. So one of the ways that we're engaging uh, this Lent is um, by practicing silence. So on Wednesday nights, starting next Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're, we're doing a special Lenten series led by Alicia Epperson, our pastoral fellow, and we're calling it The Big Quiet at St. Peter's, An Introduction to Silence. And most people I know, you may be like this, um, myself, and, you know, myself included, um, cannot stand silence. It just drives us nuts. There's a few people I know who love it, but most people I know cannot stand it. And so for me, I am inundated with noise. Like, and in fact, I would go so far as to say that I'm addicted to noise. And so it's like, I've always got my headphones, there's always the noise of the city, I'm like listening to podcasts and to music, there's the noise of, of um, the internet and social media, there's my own internal noise in my mind and my heart, I'm always playing conversations in my head, and I should have said this, and this person said that to me, you know, emailing and the noise of that, and this constant to-do list that's always running in my, in my mind. And so the house of my heart is not so much about physical clutter, it's about noise clutter. And I'll be honest that in that sense, I think that I am terrified of empty space. Like I'm kind of terrified of silence and I, I, can't, I can't do it. So I, I tried um, this morning to set a timer for two minutes um, before I prayed and my mind was just all over the place. You know, it, it almost felt like, it felt like, well, like, why am I even trying? It's just my mind is everywhere. But what I realized is that underneath that resistance to silence is anxiety. 
Like there's an anxiety that fuels all this noise. And whether that's the external anxiety that's coming at me of the news cycle or internal anxiety of what happens if I don't respond to this person or stop emailing or working or doing. And facing the empty space of, of silence, I have to ask myself, can I trust God with this emptiness? You know, can I give the anxious noise of my heart and mind, the anxious noise that's out there, over to him and allow him to meet me in the silence and to rest in him and remember that he is God and I am not? So what is it for you? You know, what is that clutter in the home of your heart? So there's some people who give up things like social media or alcohol. Um, I heard recently about one person giving up shame for Lent. You know, we're talking negatively about people. You know, and, and what they were saying is you give, up, you give up something not to deprive yourself of something, but rather so that you can make room for the goodness and abundance of God's life in you. And so we lean into trust. We lean into gratitude and into courage and into blessing others, into silence, all these things that often come really hard for us. But that's why we enter into these next 40 days. So the author, um, Ruth Haley Barton, uh, puts it like this. She says that the real question of Lent is not, what will I give up for Lent? The real question of Lent is, how have I gotten away from the Lord and how can I return to him with all my heart? You know, like the prophet Joel says. Now, how can I let go of these things that have taken up residence in my heart and mind and give that space back to the Lord more fully? So in a moment, um, we're going to make the sign of the cross with ashes on your forehead. We're going to say these words to you. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And one of the things that I really love about Ash Wednesday is it's like the one day, you know, we're always running away from death and we're always afraid of death. We don't want to think or talk about it. But Ash Wednesday is that one day where you are confronted with the brutal reality that you are going to die. Every single one of us is going to die one day, no matter how much money you have, no matter how much power you have, every single one of us is going to die one day. And Ash Wednesday reminds us of that and how clarifying that reality, as much as we resist it, how clarifying that reality can be. You know, that we're human, that we're vulnerable. You know, it's just true. None of us can avoid death. We can't avoid our own sinfulness, our own mortality, our own vulnerability. And while that may sound depressing, I want to submit that it's freeing, actually, to face that and to admit it, to be able to just come clean before the Lord and say, I am dust, I am human, I need you. My heart is prone to wander away from you, Lord, and I hold on to these things and hoard these things because I'm afraid and I don't trust you. And somehow I think these things are going to save me. You know, and, and Lent has this way of just unmasking the illusions that we live in most of the time. But Psalm 103 that we read together says, As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we are made. He remembers that we are dust. You know, we are dust. And we're going to die. And we'll never live up to our ideals. And he has compassion on us, and he loves us with a love so wide and long and high and deep that the Apostle Paul says it surpasses knowledge. 
It overcomes even death itself. And that's why on Ash Wednesday, we impose, um, we not only impose the ashes, but we also celebrate the Eucharist to remember that the love of God shown to us in Christ through his death and resurrection, that that is the greater reality above all else. And it's not just ashes, but it's ashes in the form of a cross. It's in the form of a cross. And what that reminds us is that Jesus walked through the fire for us so that we would not be burned. And so we don't have to be afraid as we go into Lent. And so let's open our hearts to him. Rend our hearts and not our garments. Let's not be afraid of empty space. And let's make room for the good thing that God wants to do us, do in us over these 40 days. I, I, um, we're going to end with this, this poem that I asked Alicia to read by um, Jan, Jan Richardson. Um, and this, po this poem is a blessing for Ash Wednesday. And so she reads it, just receive it and hear it and let it become a part of you as we enter into Lent. To receive this blessing, all you have to do is let your heart break. Let it crack open. Let it fall apart so that you can see its secret chambers, the hidden spaces where you have hesitated to go. Your entire life is here, inscribed whole upon your heart's walls. Every path taken or left behind, every face you turned toward or turned away, every word spoken in love or in rage, every line of your life you would prefer to leave in shadow, every story that shimmers with treasures unknown, and those you have yet to find. It could take you days to wander these rooms, 40 at least. And so, let this be a season for wandering, for trusting the breaking, for tracing the rupture that will return you to the one who waits, who watches, who works within the rending to make your heart whole. Amen.